Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. There was an interesting article in the Washington Post about um, about uh, how Joe Biden is going to have to try and finesse some of his tough on crime legislation and advocacy from the 80s and 90s. No one who knows more about crime and urban policy than the great writer and one of my favorite public intellectuals in the whole wild world, Heather MacDonald of the Manhattan Institute and City Journal. Her most recent books, The Diversity Delusion, How Race and Gender Pandering Corrupt the University and Undermine Our Culture, and of course, The War on Cops, How the New Attack on Law and Order Makes Everyone Feel Less Safe. Heather, thanks for joining us again. Well, thank you so much for that kind introduction, Seth. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you. Well-deserved on your part. Heather, um, I sent you this Washington Post article, and it did remind me that, um, I, you know, Joe, Joe Biden is a pastiche of many different beliefs and many different positions over the years. But one thing I do well recall in the 80s and 90s is he was very, quote-unquote, tough on crime uh, when it came to urban policy, when it came to drugs. And it looks like he's going to have to backtrack on some of that, given the parlance of the modern Democratic Party. At least that's my view of it. How do, how do you see it? And does he have anything to apologize for? Well, he is backtracking. He's, he's uh, cowardly uh, apologizing, and he should not. Right. Uh, this is a, a very dangerous trend that has been gaining steam from the Obama administration uh, forward to repudiate the changes that were made in the 80s and 90s that it ushered in in a completely unprecedented and unforeseen 50% drop in, in crime nationwide, a crime drop that benefited overwhelmingly, disproportionately, uh, black residents of the United States. Now, he is going, you know, because he is so, is the, is the word verbose? I'm not sure. There's, there, there, there's a lot that he has said a lot of things that he's going to have to backtrack on if he is going to be in this backtracking business. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with where he was at the head of the Judiciary Committee when it came to inner cities and drugs. Um, you know, my relationship with Dr. Bennett, Bill, Bill has sent me a series of quotes where Joe Biden, heaven forfend the rest of the Democratic Party, get their hands on this, where Joe Biden says to Bill in open committees, Bill being the drug czar at the time, I'm tougher on this than you are. He's telling Bill, you don't have enough money in here for law enforcement. I mean, the, 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 the Joe Biden may well have been right, but boy, that is not going to sound good once it gets into the meat grinder of Cory Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. You know, we're in a really dangerous position in this country, Seth, uh, where the the reality 
of race is being reversed. You know, we're seeing that to speak honestly about any problem involving blacks is to invite accusations of racism. Right. Uh, and what that means is that those problems are going to go unaddressed. Uh, Biden was right. He was right to respond to the Congressional Black Caucus that was demanding a federal response to the crap, crack ep- epidemic. Right. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus at the time was saying this is the worst depression we've known since slavery. Right. Uh, he was right to say that sentencing should be more transparent, that, that we should take some discretion away from judges who are meeting out completely uh, inadequate sentences to keep violent criminals, repeat offenders behind bars. Uh, but, but we have become so spooked in this country uh, about race and so terrified of that phony charge of racism uh, that, that, you know, we're going to see the progress undone. And I hate to say this, you know, we both of us are, are big Trump supporters on many things, Seth, uh, immigration being probably the, the most predominant, and uh, Trump's ability to withstand that charge of racism. Sadly, though, uh, he's an opportunist, and, and Trump himself has been adopting the democratic line that our criminal justice system is racist. And Heather, I couldn't agree with you more. This is a huge area. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this really gets my Irish up, even if a guy like Leibson can say that to a gal like McDonald. This really <laughs> gets my Irish up because I'm not sure it's Trump. I think it's whole swaths of the conservative movement but that are buying this this hook, line, and sinker stuff, like this First Step Act. i got to tell you, I do not think that's progress. Yes, well, absolutely. Now, I, I frankly um, can live with some tweaking of of federal mandatory minimums because they're arbitrary to begin with. But but I do think that the most dangerous thing is the rhetoric Mm -hmm. that surrounds that tweaking, Mm -hmm. which is to to uh, echo this poisonous narrative that the criminal justice system is racist and that uh, the fact that we do have higher rates of blacks behind bars is the result of criminal justice system racism rather than the reality. Blacks are behind bars at disproportionate rates because they commit crime at disproportionate rates. End of story. Right. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, that, that is something that America is becoming increasingly reluctant to confront. Uh, people are worried that nothing is going to change uh, in the long term. But, but again... Uh, to to echo this narrative, whether it's it's the conservative supporters of the First Step Act or President Trump, uh, is is putting all of us at risk because it it, it it delegitimizes the criminal justice system. It leads to hostility in the streets towards officers, the sort of mm-hmm. of grotesque attacks that we saw over the weekend mm-hmm. with viral videos mm-hmm. of, of uh, people in New York City assaulting officers. 
and it increases racial tensions in this country. And it distorts any ability to actually get to any of these problems with the false narratives that take hold. For example, if you want to use the phrase mass incarceration, I think that phrase itself needs some distillation. But that, that aside, the idea that we are massively incarcerating vast numbers of people, particularly in the minority community, over quote unquote low level victimless drug crimes is just that a myth heather it's not true when you look at the people that are getting released under these acts of clemency under obama or the first step act under trump no one is getting released exclusively for merely being in possession of drugs that is not that is just not true of course prison remains a lifetime achievement award for persistence in criminal offending Two-thirds of all offenders are triaged out of the prison system, given community supervision or, at most, uh, time in, uh, one, uh, under one year in jail. Uh, and there is nobody in, in prison for smoking pot. Nobody, period. Period. Uh, you have to have a long criminal record. You have to, you're likely all, any possession offender in prison today, whether it's federal or state, uh, has been plea bargained down from from dealing. Or was smoking uh, pot with something else. I mean, something else was going on, on there as well. There was another charge attached to it. Um, right. right. It, right. It's not the exclusive purview of that. You said something in your opening comments, and I wonder if it gives us some cause for distant optimism when you said that this charge of racism is so thrown around and people are so scared of it, nervous of it, that it backs them into either um, uh, indolence or bad policies. And I'm wondering if it's overuse has achieved something that we warned about as a negative, which is they've now robbed the phrase racism of all its toxicity, that it almost has become rendered a meaningless word. And I'm wondering if, in a sense, that might be cause for racism. There are people who are stronger than that word. Donald Trump is one. Maybe he'll show some others how to have backbone, that the label just doesn't mean anything anymore because it has been so robbed of its value. Everyone's a racist, thus no one is. You know, Donald Trump is Hitler. Hitler couldn't have been that bad. They are detoxifying these very, once importantly, toxic phrases. I wonder if that's going on to the point where we actually may be able to cut through some of this dross and get to some real solutions because people don't, maybe they're going to stop being, they're going to stop caring about being called racist because they know they're not uh, on, on the one hand. On the other at a certain point, um, are we going to have to have some kind of national understanding that thing, the, about the kinds of things Shelby Steele has been screaming about for years, which is just because someone criticizes your ideas and you happen to be a racial minority, you do not get immunization from being criticized for those ideas. Those two things are going on, it seems to me, at breakneck speed right now. But tell me if I'm onto something or if I'm all wet. Right. Well, first, let me just respond to the sub-point you made about just because you're criticized, it doesn't mean you're doing so because you're black. I mean, we see this perfectly with the pylon of one of the Democratic presidential contenders, Pete Buttigieg, who uh, had a shooting in in South Bend, which I don't think is a bad shooting, Mm -hmm. but it's been portrayed as such by the media. Mm -hmm. Police shot a black man. And one of the things that has now been held against him to show that he's really the the unwitting bearer of white privilege and racism is that he fired a black police chief. Mm-hmm. Well, he did so for cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but now 
you know, if you're black, you have virtually an immunity from right. criticism because anybody, it is inevitably going to be the case that any action, job action taken against you uh, will be attributed to your race rather than to the underlying issues. As for your larger point, uh, you're certainly right that that a indifference to this phony charge, to this hysteria of, of phantom racism is an absolute prerequisite uh, to getting our, our act together, getting our problems solved, and reuniting as a country. And certainly Trump is, is setting just a thrilling example of that uh, in his, his recent war over Baltimore and being able to just hit back hard and, and not uh, cow- being cowed by the racism charge. Whether this is going to catch on, though, is the real question. And I think we're in a race against time. The more we graduate uh, people from college, the more we're pumping out people who have spent four years being brainwashed uh, by this whole victim identity. Mm. Uh, some, some students manage to emerge with their sanity and sense of realism intact, but far too many absorb it. It's very hard. It's in the air you breathe in college. And, you know, we see what happens with corporations. They have been folding right and left. Uh, Nike most recently with the remarkable charge that a Betsy Ross flag is racist. The shoe wear has taken a particular beating this year. Earlier this year, Adidas issued a huge mea culpa for having issued a white uh, sneaker for Black History Month that had a Black Pride logo on the insole. But because it was white, this was seen as racist. Sure. I mean, this is just, this is like so bizarre. It's this weird linguistic turn. Uh, and and you have uh, other luxury brands that, that were uh, accused of having Cape uh, Perry, of having a line of shoes that was said to Im- mimic blackface, which it did not. So the corporate world is still cowed. They're still in the grips of diversity consultants, uh, banks, you know, law firms. They're all hiring based on race. So I don't know, but certainly... More of us with, with an amplification uh, opportunity have to fight back against the narrative that the only allowable explanation for ongoing socioeconomic and racial disparities is bias. The answer, the reason for those disparities is not bias, it's behavior. It's behavior. I wonder if we're seeing a little bit of a pushback from some unlikely quarters and in some likely unlikely cases. For example, that family, that 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 family that owned the store that sued Oberlin. You know, yeah. they said enough is enough. And, mm-hmm. and and okay, you had you had a black person accused or arrested. It didn't, they were not accused and arrested for being black. It goes without saying they were accused and arrested for, uh, what was it, shoplifting, I think shoplifting. the example yeah. was. But that was the game they were playing. Because they happened right. to be black, it right. had to have been a racist arrest. Yes, yes. Well, again, but the university remains committed right. to this was a racial issue. Right. These were kids that were shoplifting. Right. Nobody's really, con- they haven't contested that, right. and yet Oberlin is continuing with the narrative that this was a racist bakery. So, yes, the optimists among us are going to say they have blown it. They've uh-huh. gone too far. These, this is just getting ridiculous. And the pessimists among us are going to say the inroads have gone too far in our culture. 
uh, white people are are simply uh, cowed by this and and we can't turn back. I don't know. That's you know, the frankly, one I worry about. I really do worry about that, Heather, because I do think we might be reaching an absurd point, but one that might, you know, become the new coin of the realm, which is ipso facto. If you are a racial minority, um, you cannot you cannot be accused justly of that which a racial a member of a racial majority would be for the similar behavior. I, I just think this immunization is taking very large hold and root. You see it with Ilan Omar, for example, uh, the criticisms of her for some very serious statements and past uh, clearly uh, lo- what looks like past fraud she's admitted to immunizes her from having to say anything about it. I mean, this this is the game. I'm not going to address race. Racist accusations. The accusations aren't racist. Right, right, absolutely. I don't know. You know, the Democratic Party. Uh, I, I haven't seen anybody. Again, look at Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. He he made a a, a a temporary attempt to like not not reverse himself. Yeah. Initially, he defended his his crime record, right. but now he's got a a criminal justice plan that that echoes the same toxins that Obama does saying that black parents are right to to fear that their kid is going to get shot by a cop when he goes out on the streets. This could not be a bigger lie. Uh, and yet Biden now is, is adopting that same line in his criminal justice plan. So the Democratic Party is in the grips of academic identity politics. Uh, we will just have to hope that the rest of us can can pull us out of it as a country. Yeah, push back as hard as we're being pushed, like that family in Oberlin. I think we all have to become so many of those. Heather, you are wonderful. Thank you for doing this last minute. I knew I needed to hear from you today. Great. Thank you so much, Seth. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.